0: Well good morning church. Last Sunday afternoon Mary and I had the privilege of gathering a few of our newly married uh, young adults and we got together for a fireside chat at our place to talk about marriage, talk about the encouragements and the struggles of marriage and um, most in fact all of these young couples were less than two years married and Anna reminded us that we gathered two years ago when they were engaged and We talked about what marriage was going to look like, and then last Sunday we were able to talk about what marriage uh, was like, and, uh, and it was just a great encouragement. It was a great blessing. Mary and I uh, feel it a real privilege to invest in these young couples. We do it because we enjoy it. We do it because we're committed to discipleship, uh, but more than that, we do it because we love uh, these precious people. We love Hope Church, and by that we mean we love you. And we love because God first loved us. And uh, I remember, in fact, such was the, the mutual love that was shared last Sunday. Carlos was so generous in his kindness that he left a wee gift for us, for Mary and I. He, he left a wee gift that Christina had put together and bundled it up in a wee nappy and said, Here you are, you." We love you. Yeah? When I started out in my ministry uh, in 2000, 2000, about three years into my ministry, I had a visit from a preacher, pastor called Stuart Briscoe. Some of you have met him, some of you know him. And uh, I was a young minister, and I asked Stuart, Would you give me a bit of counsel? You know, for a young pastor, what would you say when you're setting out in ministry? Zishan, when you're setting out in ministry, what would be your counsel? And he said, It's quite simple, Stu, three things. You've got to do three things. You've got to preach the word, you've got to love the people, and you've got to pray that the Spirit moves. And that's what we've been doing. That basically sums up my ministry since. Preach the word, love the people, and pray that the Spirit moves. Some weeks that's easier than others. This last week's been one of those gifts, and we count it a privilege to lead Hope Church. So let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, I do want to acknowledge the privilege Uh, of this calling to lead Hope Church and I want to testify that we love because you first loved us and so Lord as we open your word now as we've heard it read to us and as I proclaim the truth of this word we ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable to your Lord our God my strength and my redeemer amen. So you will have noticed we've taken a wee pause from Genesis, we've paused, put Genesis on pause and we're in John's Gospel, chapter 1, reading from verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen And I testify, this is God's chosen one. Now, the context of this passage, John has been out in the wilderness. He's been baptizing in a ministry of repentance. And the teachers of the law have sent some commissaries out to see and ask, who are you? Who is this man who is ministering out in the wilderness? And John quickly replies, he says, I am not the Messiah. As soon as they ask him who he is, he says, I am not the Messiah. And so they ask some other questions. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No. John responds, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord, quoting from the prophet Isaiah. John sees in his ministry that he is fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah, that he is making the path straight for the coming Messiah. And then the next day, John articulates what I think is one of the best summaries of the gospel in scripture. And we read it in verse 29. He saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now to understand the significance of that phrase, we need to have some working understanding of God's treatment of his Israel people in particular, how he ministers redemption to them. In the law of God, Moses reveals that the means by which sin was forgiven was through a sacrifice offered. And the writer to Hebrews says that there is no forgiveness of sin apart from the shedding of blood. In Exodus 12, we learn of the story of the Israelites who were enslaved in Egypt. And God says, take a Passover lamb, take a lamb, sacrifice it, and then place the blood over the doorposts. Blood was to be smeared from this lamb over the doorposts, and God would literally pass over that household. Hence the name, the Passover. His judgment came powerfully, and fearfully on Egypt at that time, but where the blood was smeared over the wood posts of the door frames, he passed over them. We read in the last book of the Bible, this phrase, the Lamb of God, shows up again, where we find the Lamb of God assuming the throne and the new heavens and the new earth. But here in the present, John Remembering the story of Israel, looking forward to what is to come, declares when he sees Jesus coming, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John records how he saw the Spirit descend on Jesus and remain on him. And God told him this was a sign of the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And John's testimony was this is God's chosen one. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This single truth defines Hope Church. This single truth defines Hope Church. Do you know that truth? Do you accept that truth? Because it includes your sin. It includes my sin. Jesus, the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world's this is very good news. If you find yourself surrounded by, enslaved by, entrapped by the corruption that is sin, this is good news. Jesus' promise is that he will take away the sin of the world, your sin and my sin. Praise God. Now, while the first disciples didn't fully comprehend what this meant, In the fullness of time, Jesus' shed blood on the cross at Calvary was indeed the redemptive means to set the whole world free from sin. They didn't understand the significance of what John said at that point. The cross was the foundation of God's redemptive plan. But how that redemptive plan was going to be worked out in the world now unfolds in the following two paragraphs in John chapter 1. And so we read in verse 35 the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying. They spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So Jesus is here constructing a new community. He's constructing the new Israel. He is gathering a new people of God around him. As the gospel shorthand describes in reference to the Lamb of God, it will be Jesus' death on the cross, which establishes God's redemption. But the means of applying that redemption to the world will be this new community that Jesus is beginning to form right here on the text. The Spirit-empowered church. The next two paragraphs are the nucleus of the church. God's mission begins by calling individuals one soul at a time. He calls them to himself. And what does that call? He says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. You've already heard the vision statement of Hope Church this morning, growing next generation disciples of Jesus Christ to impact the world. That's about following Jesus. That's about being obedient to this call that we hear in this text this morning. What does that look like? Well, John said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples follow Jesus literally. Jesus turns to them and he asks them, what do you want? What do you want? It seems like a very innocuous question. What do you want? Suppose Jesus physically walks into this place this morning. Suppose Jesus walks physically into this place this morning and he turns to you and he says, what do you want? What do you want? How would you respond to him? What would be your response this morning? For some of you, it might be, well, I've got a pretty hefty mortgage. would be quite keen for you to pay that off if you could, Lord. Some of you might turn to Jesus and say, well, I've got some ailments. My physical body is packing up. I'd really like some healing to be dealt to that. Some of you might be looking for a new job. Some of you might be in a lonely place and saying, Lord, I really need some friends, I need some friendship. Some of you might be carrying a degree of anxiety. Your mind just never slows down and you say, Lord, if you could give me peace of mind, if you could give me peace of mind. Some of you, it might be the struggle that you find yourself in, wrestling with all sorts of suffering. God, if you could just lift that suffering off me right now. Some of you, it might be the heavy burden of shame, the heavy burden of guilt that you're carrying. If you could take that away, Lord. If Jesus asked you this morning, What do you want? What do you want? How would you respond? Well, for Andrew, it was surprising and simple. Andrew said, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And he says, come and I'll show you. Although they had no clue about what would unfold, Andrew and the other unnamed disciples' primary desire at this point was to spend time with Jesus. And that's what they did. They went and spent the day with Jesus, literally. So Andrew and his unnamed friend went and spent the day with him. I wonder when was the last time you spent an unhurried day in prayer with the Lord Jesus? When was the last time you spent an unhurried day of prayer with the Lord Jesus? And you say, Stu, I can't possibly see myself doing that a whole day. I'm too busy, too many commitments, too many children, no space, no time, Are you sure you're asking me to spend an unhurried day of prayer with Jesus? That's exactly what I'm asking you, because that's exactly what Andrew does in this text. He spends an unhurried day in the presence of the Lord. They leave at four in the afternoon, and then the first thing that Andrew does is to share with his brother what and who they have just encountered. Imagine for a moment if Andrew had kept that to himself. Imagine for a moment he'd spent the day with Jesus and then he carried on and doing his own usual things. Because the man that he goes and shares it with is his brother. The man that he goes and shares this encounter of who he has found is none other than Simon Peter, the one on whom Jesus would build his church. Imagine if he had not done that. Imagine this week. If you don't say a word to anybody about what God is doing in your life, who is it that God is asking you to share what's going on in terms of your experience of Jesus this week? Who is the person that needs to know? Well, the text describes that encounter. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be named Cephas, which translated is Peter. This is the one on whom Jesus would build his church. And then the text carries on and John makes a thing about being found. Listen to the text, verse 43. The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel Nathanael asks. So Jesus finds Philip. Philip finds Nathanael and shares with him that they have found the one that Moses has been talking about. Does God find us when we are lost? Or do we find God when we're searching and striving and trying to make sense of our life? Maybe that's your situation right now. Maybe you can't quite make sense of the life that you find yourself in. Maybe there is a sense in your life that you're feeling lost right now. Perhaps you're struggling. Perhaps you're even a little bit sceptical about the claims that Jesus makes in this text, or at least that John makes about Jesus. Nathaniel was in that similar place. Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? It's a bit like gore. Can anything good come from gore? Well, if you watched the rugby last night, you'll know that good things do come from gore. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Come and see, said Philip. There's that phrase again, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. The invitation Philip gives to Nathanael is to come and see. And it's the same invitation I give to you this morning. Come and see. Come and see who this Jesus is. Come and meet with the Son of God. The king of Israel when I was 28 years old and I was lost I was profoundly lost and Jesus found me I was on the other side of the world and my life was unraveling externally and internally and I knew I couldn't continue on 28 years of age and I went along to a little church and a guy called Don Smith introduced me to the Lord Jesus. I said, my life is unraveling. My life is a mess. I need to know who God is. I need to know if God can make, a, make sense of my life. And he said, Stu, if you want to make sense of your life, if you want to understand who God is, you need to understand who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the King of Israel. And I yielded my life that day. On the 6th of May in 1995 and I have been found and my life has been defined by following Jesus ever since I spent the next six months in that little church like a sponge absorbing everything that was going on in that church church, absorbing everything that I could learn about who this Jesus was and then I went back to Auckland I followed Jesus to Auckland, and he called me to Laidlaw College, BCNZ, as it was there. I trained for three years, absorbing all that I could from the scriptures. And Jesus called me to St. John's to become an Anglican, and I'm still working out what that means. But then he called me to Papakura to serve in the Papakura Anglican Church. I followed him to St. Matthew's Church. I served him there, and then two and a half years ago, he said, Stu, we're going to plant a new church. It's going to be called Hope Church, and I've followed him here, and my life makes sense because I follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Come and see. Come and see who this Jesus is. That's the invitation that God gives to you this morning. Now, for Andrew, Peter, Philip, and Nathaniel, they followed literally this man from Nazareth. But we live on the other side of the cross, We live on the other side of the cross where Jesus' shed blood takes away the sin of the world. He is now ascended to the right hand of God. He sits in heaven and he reigns by his spirit. And so we follow him by faith. Come and see what that looks like. Do you believe this? If you do believe, God says he will pour into your heart his great love for you. Romans 5, he will baptize you with the Spirit and you will experience the love of the Father like you have never known it before. Come and see. Come and see what that looks like. Come and see what that means. If you've already yielded your life to Jesus, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, what's the next step for you? Will Andrew and Philip show you? You've got to take this gift that you have and show it to the next person that comes across your path. Invite them to come and see. Share it with others, what you have found. Invite your brother, invite your neighbor, invite your workmate to come and see. On Friday night, Zishan and Sally were leading a good news course and that's exactly what it was. It's inviting people to come and see who this Jesus is. Make sense of your life through the Son of God, the King of Israel. If you invite your friend To church at Hope here, you will find a group of people who place Jesus Christ at the center. You will find a group of people who love each other enough to lay our guards down and say, I want to help you to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come and see. I saw that so beautifully modeled last Sunday. For those of you who were here last Sunday at the end of the service, we were singing a song called Rejoice, and two of our members came down from Sunday school, they came down here, little Eva, Rose, and Rosie, and they danced with joy written all over their faces. They danced before the Lord. Come and see. I told their fathers this morning, uh, this week, I'm looking forward to their two fathers coming and doing the same dance. <clears throat> If you invite someone to come and see, it's not about seeing grown men dancing, but it's about coming to see Jesus, who is at the center of this church. You'll find a church that's centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ, a church that understands that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what you'll find here. You'll find a church that prioritizes discipleship because we love each other enough that we speak into each other's lives we meet up with each other and we encourage each other to grow in the grace and the knowledge of jesus christ whatever it costs wherever it leads this week i met with two of my brothers who i meet with on a regular basis and we were sharing about the journey of discipleship and chris talked about one of these mission partners that really encourages him and she has this catchphrase that says before the impossible comes the remind me chris that's it before it was incredible it was impossible and he shared about the story of this mission partner who had gone to the back of beyond following jesus whatever the cost wherever he takes us and she was driving along in the back of beyond and she felt tired and she stopped her car and she got out of the car in the middle of nowhere got out of the car and this guy came out of the bush and he said have you been sent here to tell us about the god almighty that we don't know about following Jesus, whatever the cost, wherever he takes you. Richard shared a story of friends of his and they had got radically converted and he had taken he'd felt the call of God again to go to the back of beyond in Africa he'd taken his young family he had massive debts and people were saying surely this can't be what you've got to do surely you've got to be sensible you've got a young family you've just had a baby he said no we believe Jesus is calling us to go over there debt or no debt Again, he was in the middle of Africa. It all seems to happen in Africa, Robson. He was in the middle of Africa in this little village, and a guy from England came up to him, and they got started talking, and the guy from England said, let me help you write off your debt, and he wrote out a check for him. But of course, following Jesus isn't always about getting your debts, your physical debts paid off. It's about getting your spiritual debts paid off, Right? Bonhoeffer says, when Jesus says, come and follow me, he says, come and die. Come and die. The call to follow Christ is a call to come and suffer. It's a call to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You see, we don't go to a house now to see Jesus. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He reigns from on high in heaven. In faith, you say, Jesus, thanks for finding me in my lost state. Thanks for redeeming me in my enslaved state. Thanks for paying the price for me. I believe in faith you are all that I need, and I yield my life to you. Come and see. Come and see. Spending time with Jesus Means you believe the testimony of John that Jesus Christ is God's chosen one. And for his part, when God sees your faith, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and come and give you life eternal. Today, Jesus would ask you, What do you want? What do you want? And I would say, Come and see. Come and see. Let's bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. Father, as we sit under your word this morning, and as we see that first encounter of your first disciples, and as we hear the testimony of John that says, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that is our prayer, that is our cry, that you would take away the sin of the world you would begin by taking away our sin. You would begin by taking away our shame. You would begin by taking away the brokenness in our lives. Even now, would you baptize us with your Holy Spirit? Even now, would you pour your love, the love of the Father into our hearts so that we might know that Jesus is the Lord of our lives? Father, would you come and minister your grace to us? We want to be a people who are bold. But we can't be a people who are bold in our witness until we have first tasted, until we have first come and yielded our life to you in faith. And so that's what we do now. We do so in repentant faith, turning away from the world, turning to you, Jesus. And then we pray, Lord, that you would send us out, you would embolden us That the first thing that we would do would be to go and share, look, and what we have found. We've found the Son of God, the King of Israel, and he's our King. So come and pour your love into our hearts that we might know the love of the Father. Come, Jesus, and be Lord of our lives. This we ask in your name, and for your glory we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song now. And as we sing that song, if the Lord's been speaking to you and you have a sense that you have not actually yet responded in faith, if you're not yet sure about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit looks like, if you haven't yet tasted the love of the Father, then I want you to invite you to come forward and I'll pray for you. And Carlos and Sally and I will pray for you because I want to say to you, come and see. Come and see. Come and meet this Lord Jesus. Don't leave this place until you have met with the Lord Jesus. Let's stand and sing together.